0: Chapter 9 of Pollyanna's Jewels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Nicole Kristen. Pollyanna's Jewels by Harriet Loomis-Smith. Christmas Surprises. Now that Judy's conscience was at ease, the Christmas preparations went on merrily. Jimmy visited the Buntings with two big baskets on Christmas Eve, and on his return the children who had been allowed to sit up beyond their usual bedtime put him through one of the relentless cross-examinations familiar to all fathers and mothers. Did the little girl cry? This was Judy's opening gun. "'Cry, I should say not. "'She was tickled to death with her doll. "'She smiled clear back to her ears. "'She did cry once,' insisted Judy, "'to whom the forlorn child of the artist's cartoon "'had come to be an actual personality. "'She cried cause I took her dolly. "'Did the boy like his fire engine?' "'Demanded Junior in his turn. "'Very much. "'He's a rather quiet boy.' but I could see he was pleased. What's his name, Daddy? Dan, I believe. Is he bigger than me or littler? About the same height, I should say, but not as heavy. Could I throw him over Russell, Daddy? Don't know. But what do you think? You can tell what you think, can't you, Daddy? Then I think he would probably throw you. This was far from being satisfactory to Junior, but Daddy, he persisted, What makes you think he could throw me? I think he's had more training along that particular line. What's training? Jimmy looked appealingly at Pollyanna and she came to the rescue by pronouncing it bedtime. You must be sound asleep when Santa Claus comes, she reminded the children. Junior looked very knowing. At the kindergarten, he had encountered some delusioned juveniles who, like most of the disenchanted, could not rest satisfied till they had destroyed the illusions of others. Junior had come home in a state of great excitement, and his mother had both comforted and enlightened him, explaining in terms suited to his comprehension That Santa Claus was the personification of the goodwill and kindness of the Christmas season and that while he was sufficiently advanced in years to understand all about it, just as grown people did, Judy and the baby were still too young to share his knowledge. The honor of being classed with adults almost compensated Junior for the loss of his faith in childhood's patron saint, and whenever Santa Claus was mentioned, as he was frequently these days, he all but winked at his mother in recognition of the secret they shared. After the children were in bed and had ceased to call interrogations, Over the banisters, Jimmy and Pollyanna had a wonderful time filling the stockings and trimming the trees. There was a real fireplace in the living room. For a week, it had been merely ornamental, since Judy was so concerned as to the size of the chimney that... Had a fire been built, she would probably have tumbled into it. As a background for Christmas preparations, however, the fireplace was ideal, and Pollyanna viewing the stockings dangling against the red brick asked Jimmy if it wasn't exactly like a Christmas card. The only drawback to the piece of the evening was jigs. A package wrapped in paper always excited jigs, and on this occasion, there were so many of them that he quite lost his head. He dashed, Wildly about the room, sniffing, pawing and occasionally barking, he jumped at the row of stockings and brought Judy's to the floor. He got in the way and was stepped on times without number. But it was not till he snatched from his mistress' hand a knitted scarf Aunt Polly had sent Junior and went scurrying through the house, trailing the scarf behind him that Pollyanna realized the futility of expostulation and command." He is so excited that a whipping won't do a bit of good, she told Jimmy. The only thing is to put him down cellar and keep him there till morning. Had Pollyanna attempted to carry out her orders, the chances are that she would have relented by the time she reached the cellar door and suspended sentence. But it was Jimmy who collared Jiggs and carried him, struggling and whining to the cellar stairs. Jiggs had protested on principle, but he was quite unprepared for permanent exile. When the truth burst upon him, he began barking in a staccato-peremptory fashion which betrayed his sense of outrage. Pollyanna's heart melted at once. Poor little fellow. He's simply wretched when he feels he's shut out of things. Nonsense, Pollyanna. He'll have to be taught not to make a nuisance of himself. It's a queer thing. You're strict enough with the children, but your discipline breaks down when it comes to jigs. But I... I wouldn't want to have the children waked up. Never fear, the seven sleepers had nothing on our three. I wonder if he'll disturb the neighbors. If we can stand it, they ought to be able to. Look here, Pollyanna, you know perfectly well you're not worrying about the children or the neighbors. All that bothers you is that spoiled little beast downstairs. But he won't keep this up long. Pretty soon he'll realize that we're not going to pay any attention to him and then he'll give up and settle down for the night. Jimmy did less than justice to Jig's pertinacity. It was true he did not continue barking uninterruptedly. He paused occasionally and then, after 10 or 15 minutes, broke out again. Indeed, once, during the night, Jimmy roused from a sound sleep to hear Jigs barking with as much angry animation as if the cellar door had just closed upon him. Some persistence, eh? said Jimmy, addressing Pollyanna, but only the sound of a regular breathing answered him and Jimmy chuckled mightily. At the least murmur from the baby's crib, Pollyanna was always instantly wide awake, but she slept undisturbed through a racket that might have disquieted those famous sleepers to whom Jimmy had referred earlier. And as if he himself had been one of their lineal descendants, Jimmy turned over on his pillows and promptly fell asleep. The children were in their parents' room before it was fairly daylight. There were shouts of Merry Christmas. The baby woke up and gurgled delightedly. Pollyanna blinked her eyes open with an effort. Climb into bed quick, children, so as not to get cold. Can't we go downstairs, mother, and see what's in our stockings? Junior begged. Not till after breakfast, said Pollyanna firmly, and a good breakfast too. Can't we peek? Well, if you are dressed before Nancy is ready for us, you may peek, but you mustn't touch thing. Seems to me you're taking a great deal for granted, Tease Jimmy. If you haven't been downstairs, how do you know that Santa Claus came at all? I saw Santa Claus, Judy answered unexpectedly. Oh, you didn't, neither, corrected Junior, with the authority of his superior knowledge. If you saw anybody, it was Daddy, wasn't it, Mother? Twasn't Daddy either. Did he have a white beard and clothes all trimmed with fur? No, Judy admitted reluctantly. Well then, how do you know it was Santa Claus? Cause he said so. Over the children's heads, Jimmy and Pollyanna exchanged smiles. It was quite evident from Judy's earnest air that she was not consciously fabricating an interview with the patron saint of the day, but had had a more than ordinarily vivid dream, when she added, "'He said for me to go back to bed and keep still,' even Junior looked a little abashed. "'He couldn't have said for you to go back to bed, Curse Curse could he, mother?' Never mind, I hear Nancy downstairs, so it's time to get up. Let's see who will be dressed first. The house was much colder than usual. Jimmy discovered and he dressed hastily and went downstairs to see why the furnace was not doing its duty. Nancy guessed the reason for his early appearance and hastened to set his mind at rest. I know the house is cold, Mr. Jimmy, but it's warming up fast. I guess Christmas being so near was a little too much for me. I must have raised the back kitchen window last night to let out the smell of the cooking and forgot all about it. You could have knocked me down with a feather when I saw it this morning. Jimmy whistled. Open all night? Say, Nancy, if it had been as cold as it sometimes is at Christmas, we'd have had some frozen pipes to look after in the morning. I know, Mr. Jimmy, I'm that ashamed. It's the first time I ever did such a thing in my life. It is, it is. When the family came down to breakfast, Judy looked anxiously around the dining room. Where's the stockings? Junior enlightened her. In the fireplace, of course. Santa Claus was out here. You keep saying that, objected Junior, and it's silly. Mother, ain't it silly for Judy to keep saying she saw Santa Claus? Drink your orange juice, Junior, and don't tease Judy. No, Jigs, you can't have anything to eat in the dining room. Give Judy a little more cream, please, Jimmy. Yes, darling, Mother's fixing it. This last was addressed to the baby who, becoming impatient, was pounding her high chair with her spoon. Jimmy wondered, as he had often wondered before, how Pollyanna succeeded in eating anything at a mealtime. But breakfast was over at last and they gave themselves up to the real business of the day, riffling stockings and opening packages. Nancy left her dishes and came in to share the fun. Jiggs was present, his mood unchastened by the discipline of the previous evening. Sin occupied the most comfortable chair and purred incessantly. In the sunny window, Goldilocks sang a succession of Christmas carols deserving of closer attention than the absorbed group could give. Nancy indeed had thoughts for nothing but the tree. As she gazed upon it, gay with coloured electric lights, the tears started to her eyes, perhaps because the fir trees were associated in her thoughts with her Vermont home. I declare, Miss Pollyanna, I don't expect to see a prettier sight than that tree till I see the pearly gates. I don't, I don't. In addition to the stuffed stockings and the overflow of gifts on adjacent chairs, there was a formidable pile of boxes and packages that had come by parcel, post or by express. And in course of time, Pollyanna declared she was ashamed to open another. It's almost overwhelming the way we are remembered. Nobody could possibly deserve as much as we have had today. Jimmy, armed with chisel and hammer, was about to open the big wooden box which had come from John Pendleton and his wife, but as Pollyanna spoke, he straightened up and regarded her quizzically. If you say so, I'll send this back and ask them to bestow it on more worthy recipients. Stop teasing Jimmy and get the cover off. Of course, I'm perfectly crazy about everything, but nobody could deserve it all. Inez arrived before John Pendleton's box was opened and the children greeted her with an enthusiasm their elders did not fully share. What did you get for Christmas? Junior inquired after calling Inez's attention to the most cherished of his new possessions. We haven't had our Christmas yet. My mother said she didn't want anybody to wake her up today. She was awful tired. I suppose a gift shop would do its Biggest business just before Christmas, said Pollyanna in an undertone to Jimmy, who replied, I suppose so, and wrenched out a nail vindictively. The presents had all been opened and admired at the new toys taken up to the nursery when Mrs. McGill rang the bell. I'm not coming in. I just ran over to say Merry Christmas and leave these little things for the children, "'Of course you're coming in. "'The idea of your being on the front porch "'and not seeing a lovely tree. "'Won't you go up to the nursery "'so you can give your presents to the children yourself? "'Only, I'm sorry you did it. "'They have had so much already "'that their little heads are spinning.' "'It was purely selfish on my part,' laughed Mrs. McGill. "'You see, Christmas isn't much without kiddies to plan for, "'and having none of my own, I made use of yours.' Oh, what a noise. It certainly sounds like a good time. Jimmy was helping Junior lay the tracks on which a miniature locomotive would presently run, but father and son halted in their fascinating occupation to greet Mrs. McGill. And when Nancy called Pollyanna downstairs to consult her about the dinner, she left Mrs. McGill sitting on the floor, helping Judy dress and undress her Christmas dolls. The arrival of the burdened postman delayed Pollyanna longer than she had intended, and she was still opening Christmas cards when Mrs. McGill and Jimmy came downstairs together. "'Oh, you're not going, are you?' cried Pollyanna, addressing her neighbor. "'If you do, I'll feel I have been terribly rude. But I'm always so impatient to see my Christmas cards that I simply can't resist them.' Of course she's not going, said Jimmy, speaking for Mrs. McGill. She's come downstairs to see the tree. Oh yes, it's such a beautiful tree. Pollyanna jumped briskly to her feet and turned to lay her mail on the dining table. Then she looked across the room, her eyes bulging. Why, she exclaimed, where is my tea service? The others turned to look. Mrs. McGill, as well as Jimmy, knew exactly where the tea service ordinarily stood on the sideboard, the fine old colonial pieces with their noses in the air, as if in disdain of their modern environment. The set was really an heirloom, and Pollyanna had really protested when Aunt Polly bestowed it upon her. It seems to belong to your Aunt Polly, she had said, and in your big old house in Beldingsville." In my little home, it will look out of place. But Aunt Polly had waved her protests aside and, as usual, had had her own way. Probably, Nancy has taken it to the kitchen to shine it up for Christmas, Mrs. McGill said, as Pollyanna continued to gaze blankly in the direction of the sideboard. No, it was polished yesterday. Oh, Nancy! Nancy! Pollyanna turned quickly as Nancy entered the room. Where did you put the tea service? It was not necessary for Nancy to speak. Like Pollyanna, she looked at the empty space on the sideboard and then threw up her hands. The blank horror of her face was sufficient assurance that she knew nothing of the whereabouts of the silver. With a muffled exclamation, Jimmy bolted from the room. After two minutes on the back porch, he returned to find Nancy in tears. Oh, it's all my fault, Miss Pollyanna. If you pack me off tomorrow, I'll not blame you a mite. I won't, I won't. Jimmy laid his hand on her arm. Easy, Nancy. You've nothing on your conscience. You didn't leave the window up last night. It was forced from the outside. The marks are perfectly plain. Then he started as his eyes fell on Jiggs, looking up at him with an expression of preternatural wisdom. By Jove, he cried, that's why Jiggs barked. Did he bark in the night? gasped Pollyanna. He certainly did, I suppose he was still resenting the fact that we didn't allow him to help us fill the stockings. And instead, the little cuss was trying to tell us that something was wrong. Pollyanna started violently. Jimmy, she choked. Could it? Do you think you know what Judy said? Gosh, shouted Judy's father. You've hit it. And that's why she expected the presents to be in the dining room. "'What is it?' demanded Mrs. McGill, looking wildly from one to the other. "'What are you talking about?' "'It was Jimmy who did the explaining.' "'And when he finished, Pollyanna began, "'I'm so glad.' "'She was not able to get any further, "'for Mrs. McGill whirled about and seized her by her shoulders. "'Listen, you extraordinary young woman!' Before you say another word, let me make sure my ears are not deceiving me. That beautiful silver service, which has made me break the 10th commandment every time I've seen it, has been stolen. And the first comment you make on the situation is, I'm glad... At least that's the way it sounded, but I'm sure I must be mistaken. Pollyanna's pale lips twitched into a smile. Don't you see, she said, that I have a great deal to be glad about? Suppose Jimmy had come downstairs when he heard Jigs barking and found that man in the house. He might have been seriously hurt. I suppose so. Mrs. McGill assented, "'And Judy, darling little Judy, it's not likely he'd have hurt her, but she might have got affrighted, would have taken her years to overcome.' I'm so glad he was quick-witted enough to tell her he was Santa Claus, and that she must go upstairs and be quiet. I thought I was as glad as possible before this happened, said Pollyanna, her bright colour beginning to come back. But that gladness was nothing to this. Mrs. McGill sighed and shook her head implying that the matter was beyond her, and Jimmy remarked, "'Apparently you haven't taken your neighbours into your confidence about your game, my dear.' "'Now, Jimmy, what game do you mean?' questioned Mrs. McGill, alert on the instant. "'If it is anything that helps to explain this wife of yours, Mr. Pendleton, I want to know about it, for every time I see her, she gives me a fresh surprise.' And so, little by little, the story was told, much of it drawn out by Mrs. McGill's questions and aided by frequent promptings from Jimmy. And when she stepped out into the morning again, apologizing for having stayed so long, Mrs. McGill was thinking not so much of the Christmas tree or even of the laughing children upstairs as of the little crutches in the missionary barrel and the game that had helped make Pollyanna what she was. End of chapter 9